0: He stood there, huddled in the corner of an alley, waiting. It had been a big day. No. It had been a big week. No. It had been a big three years. Three years ago, he was minding his own business, taking care of life just himself and his family, making a decent living, providing for his family. Every day, he would wake up at 5 a.m. and start his morning routine. I believe it started with coffee in his, fav- in his world's best fisherman mug, enjoying some quiet time alone. And then he would go to the lake. And at the lake, he would do his normal, everyday routine. Prepare the nets, cast the nets, collect the nets. Prepare the nets, cast the nets, collect the nets. Not in a monotonous way, but safe and routine, predictable. It's what he was good at, it's what he knew, it's what he did. And it all started with this guy, who seemingly came out of nowhere and asked this fisherman to follow him. The fisherman was hesitant. He had heard this guy, he had seen what he was doing around town, and it seemed different. But never in a million years would he have dreamed that he'd throw away his predictable, safe, routine life for the unpredictable, different, and risky roller coaster that he was about to go on. This roller coaster consisted of three years following this teacher around the region. This fisherman saw blind people receive sight. Paraplegics were able to walk, and storms were calmed. This fisherman heard this teacher speak in such a way about God and humanity that just made sense. And this fisherman had experienced. This teacher loved him in a way that didn't seem possible. And then we come to this week. It had been a big week. The teacher entered the city with a parade, big things were happening, and and it raised eyebrows of the people in charge in the town. You see, this teacher's name was Jesus. And he said things about where he was from and what he was going to do that threatened the religious system in the city which really threatened the religious leaders that worked so hard to protect it. So Jesus and his disciples, his followers, had to hide out until either things blew over or something changed. Three years of not normal experiences, of out of his comfort zone experiences where he's seen, heard, and experienced the person of God in human form has led him to this moment. And here we find this disciple huddled in the corner of an alley, waiting, secretly trying to get to the place that was prepared for him and his friends to enjoy a meal with Jesus. He saw an opportunity, and as soon as no one was looking, quietly on the side streets of the city, through the the mud and the donkey mess, made the way to the house that was prepared for them to meet. The disciple quickly looked around to make sure no one was following him and went inside this house. He must have felt bad because it. He went inside and prepared a cleaned house with feet that had just walked through at the end of a long day, who knows what, on the side streets of Jerusalem. And he was stepping in this clean house and he was about to make a mess. He noticed something was different that night about the house there was no servant. See, normally, The master of the house would delegate a servant to the degrading task of taking off the sandals and washing the feet of the people who were coming to their house, especially for a meal like this. But this night, there was no servant because it was too much of a risk. The less people that knew Jesus was at this house, the better. That didn't bother a fisherman, no servant, no problem. I don't need my feet clean tonight, I'm all good. Plus, who would really, honestly, who would stoop that low to wash the feet That's that's a servant's job, That's, that's degrading. And every single one of the disciples that entered the house after him did the exact same thing. They entered off the streets, saw the absence of a servant, didn't do anything other than walking straight to the table, passing through the entryway, focused on what was about to happen, focused on the table they were going to enjoy a meal with, with Jesus, with dirty feet. It's interesting, after all of the teaching After three years of hearing Jesus share about the love of God for them and others, after seeing Jesus model what it really looks like to serve and love others, to go out of his way to serve and love, after three years of experiencing God's love in a personal way, these disciples did not act upon what they knew, upon what they were taught they didn't engage. This summer we've been in a series focused on one verse and that is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. And it says this, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And while this seems simple at first glance, what we've found throughout this summer is that this is not that simple we've seen that being part of the body of Christ means that we're united together by one spirit. We're the sum of our parts. We we are sustained as the body of Christ. We are gifted by the spirit, responsible to God to use the gifts that he's given us. We are called to seek God's face in intimacy with with each other through prayer and community. We are to put comparison aside and build each other up And then as a body, we need to bear with one another through our burdens and hardships, walking alongside each other as we experience this life together. And just like Jesus' disciples who heard, saw, and experienced Jesus and, and failed to act when presented with an opportunity to engage, you may have been here all summer long. You may have heard all of these messages, and it's not moved you to action. You've heard from various voices about what it looks like to be the body of Christ, to be united together, to be called to action by stepping up to the plate, but for whatever reason, you're still sitting. You're not convinced that God would use you in all of your brokenness, your doubts, your fears, and and your failures. Maybe you think, I'm just too broken. Maybe you're not sure what gift you could actually have and you think, I'm not gifted. You count yourself out because other people seem to do church better than you do and so you say, I'm not good enough. Maybe you sit in service on a Sunday morning and you look around and you see hundreds of other people here and you're thinking, man, I don't have time but there's a lot of people to do this, I'm gonna leave it to them. How often do we count ourselves out for whatever reason? How often do we not act upon what we know to be true? Now back to the Supper, the Last Supper, you know where Jesus and his disciples are sitting together at this table with dirty feet. Imagine Jesus sitting there among his disciples, his closest friends, the ones who he's been pouring his life into for the past three years, thinking, come on guys, you know this. You're my disciples for a reason, humble yourselves and serve one another. You have dirty feet. What are you going to do about it? Become a servant. Remember when I said that whoever must wants to be first must be a slave of all and for even the Son of Man did not come to serve to be served but to serve. You've got this. You know this and I'll be with you through it. But they didn't step up to the plate. They didn't engage. Jesus saw the inaction of his disciples and while the meal was in progress, he took off his outer clothes and put a towel around his waist. And he kneeled down and took on the form of a servant. Jesus, the teacher, the Lord, the the leader, the son of God, lowered himself to serve and then tells them probably something he's told them a 100 times before, to do the same. Saying, I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And then a few minutes later, after Jesus washes their feet, he says something powerful in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. It's like Jesus is saying this, Guys, this is what it's about. This is what I want you to do. I know you came in here tonight and things are tense outside. We had to sneak around. Things are not going great. Let me tell you, this weekend, there's some things in store you don't even know yet. Things are gonna get crazy, believe me. And things aren't gonna get that much better. Yeah, you're gonna do amazing things in my name. Yes, people are gonna be saved and people are gonna come to know me in amazing ways but you're gonna be chased for the rest of your lives and you're gonna be thrown in jail and you probably, you actually will be dying for me because of me. And in all of this, guys, disciples, followers, listen to this, in all of this, this is what it's about. No matter what happens, no matter what the situation, it's about love. In fact, the love that you show will be the way that the world knows me. John 13, 35, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This morning, I'd love for you to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. Go ahead and grab your Bible, uh, turn it on, open it up, whatever you read your Bible on, and as you navigate there, let me give you some context. This was written by Peter. Peter. You know the disciple who left fishing to follow Jesus, Peter, the one who didn't step up to the plate to serve in the absence of a servant, Peter, the one who would go on to deny Jesus because he was afraid for his life. Peter, the one who would, after Jesus rises from the dead, give the very first sermon. And years later, Peter wrote this message this letter to the early christ followers in the first century and it included this in first peter chapter 4 verses 10 and 11. if each of each of you should give whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of god's grace in its various forms if anyone speaks they should do so as the one who speaks the very words of god if anyone serves they should do so with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. This, coming from the disciple who didn't get it, I think he got it. I think after all of this time it finally made sense to him. Peter shows us that every Christian is capable, every Christ follower is capable of ministering to and serving others because every Christ follower has a gift that he or she has received from God. And I love that Peter recognizes here what Paul recognizes and calls out in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that I'm not the same as you. You're not the same as the one sitting next to you. We're all different. We're all unique with unique gifts, talents, and abilities, and we can embrace and celebrate our differences because God doesn't call us to be uniform. He calls us to be united. Peter says, each of you should use whatever gift you've received, each different, each unique, each on purpose, to serve others. And he says that we should do this as faithful stewards. Peter is calling us to faithfully, purposefully, and intentionally take care of and use what God has given us. And it's through his spirit, by the grace of God, that he has given us Christians gifts. And it's up to the Christ follower, the Christian, to steward or be responsible for these gifts. But Peter doesn't stop there. And I love that he doesn't stop there. He's smarter than that. He does here what every good teacher does in a classroom setting. He does what every good coach or boss does. He explains the why to the ask. If he just left it at the ask, like, serve others, that's it. Use your gifts, that's it. Then it would just be something else to add to the list, something else to do with our lives. But he explains the why. Why, Peter, did you take time to write this down? Why should I care about the things you're telling me? Why does this even matter? Why does it have, what what does it have to do with being a part of the body of Christ? So that, in verse 11, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Why should we engage in the body of Christ? So that people will know God. Why step up to the plate and use what God has given us so that God receives the praise that he so rightly deserves. Why serve and love others? So that all people in all places, in your schools, workplaces, homes, neighborhoods, nations, so that all people will know the love of God. That's why. After three years of walking with Jesus, Peter finally gets it. It took him long enough and he seemed to mess up regularly along the way, every time he failed, Jesus was there to extend grace. Jesus was there to encourage him to keep moving, to see Peter continue to lean in, because Jesus knew that if Peter and all of his disciples, and eventually all disciples of all time, got this right, it would change everything. Now, if you're here today and you don't consider yourself a Christian, you haven't placed your faith in Jesus, I can tell you this, and I believe this. If you decide to serve and love others, I think it will make your life better. It's a good idea, and I encourage you to take it to heart. But if you are a Christ follower, if you have placed your faith in Jesus, this isn't just good advice. Jesus himself says, a new command I give you. This is a command, and it's not just a command because Jesus was bored one day and thought, why not? There you go. It's not just a command because Jesus thought we needed one more thing to do with our lives. It's a command because there is a lot writing on this. It's something that Christ so desperately hopes that we obey. It's by this command to love and to serve others that people will see Christ in you. It's by this command to love and to serve others that people will see Christ in the church. See, that's the purpose of the church, is to proclaim the hope of Christ so that God receives the glory, to the praise and the honor that he deserves. And it's to grow in every way into the likeness of Christ so that we can love, so that we can love God in response to the love that he's shown us, and so that we can love others, so that they too can know The love of God. And this purpose purpose is too important to to leave to everyone else, to think someone else can take care of this, because the church will never reach its goal unless we're all working properly. I'm a runner, so I know Pastor Joe frequently talks about how runners who aspire to do marathons and half marathons are out of their minds. I'm one of them. I don't know if that proves his point or not, but I'm a runner. Uh, And you know if you're a runner that if you get tendonitis in your Achilles tendon, you're done. (laughs) You can't run. And if you do run, it's going to damage more muscles and more tendons because they're going to try to overcompensate for the damage in the Achilles tendon. You have to rest. One body part not working properly causes your whole body to have to stop and rest maybe you don't run, but maybe you love that football season is upon us. You know the ins and outs of the teams and you understand that every member of a football team is important. If the left guard does not do his job, the quarterback can't execute his. One seemingly unpraiseworthy or, or unimportant part of the team can make or break it for the entire team. Not a sports fan, okay? I gotcha. Um, It's like playing the cowbell. (laughs) It's like playing a cowbell in the symphony orchestra. If you play it right, and at the right time, it adds to the flow and musical dimension of the piece, I think. Um, If you do it wrong, everyone knows it, (laughs) and is worse off because of it. The same is true in the body of Christ. Jesus' example and teaching of love and service is meant for all. Paul understood this when he said, the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Now each of you are are in the body of Christ and each of you is a part of it. Peter got this when he said, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ they knew that if we're not using the gifts that God has given us, we are hurting the body of Christ. If one of us doesn't serve, we're causing the body to limp along, not able to finish the race. If one of us doesn't love, we're making, that much e- making it that much easier for the quarterback to be tackled and for the team to lose ground. When we don't use the gifts that God has given us properly, we're like a cowbell clanging at just the wrong time. God made us exactly who we are, and His Spirit has empowered us with unique abilities. Together we function as one body. You see, church isn't an anonymous, isolated, independent, like me and Jesus kind of faith. It doesn't work like that. Our walk with God is a community project. So until you and I and every person in our church are actively engaged, loving and serving the people around us, our world will not have an accurate picture of what the body of Christ, the church, was created to be. The purpose of the church is accomplished when we lean in, when we step up to the plate and use what God has given us. Jesus, just like Jesus, asked his disciples to live a life of purpose for him. God is calling all of us to use what he's given us to live a life of purpose for him. So let me encourage you today to take a step. Maybe you're here thinking, nah, I am still too broken. When we're in the kind of place where we're feeling broken, we're more susceptible to think that anything we do for God and his body has to rely on our own power. And that's a lie. God has been using broken, weak people from the beginning of time to do amazing things. And when we lean in, We can see that grace, because of grace, we're made strong in our weakness because of God, and he gives us through his spirit the power, desire, and wisdom to do what he's calling us to do. No one is too broken for God. So run to him because he wants you to live a life of purpose. Maybe you've seen, you've heard, you've experienced Jesus, but you don't consider yourself gifted. You don't think you can do anything for God. I'll let you in on a little secret. You are gifted. It's the beauty of God's love for us. Not only did Jesus die, come down to die for us, but God sent his spirit to us so that we can live full lives for him. You're gifted. Now start the fun process of figuring out what that looks like. And maybe your life is just so jam-packed with all kinds of things, and honestly, good things. And you're thinking, man, I couldn't possibly fit one more thing in my life. What would it look like to change your focus from loving and serving is not one more thing to do, it is the thing to do. Because honestly, everything that we have and everything that we do is from God, therefore, it should be for God. What would that perspective shift look like for you as you lean in and engage in the body of Christ? Now, no matter what situation you're in today, I'll leave you with this question. Have you walked in and are waiting for someone to serve you like the disciples with the dirty feet? Are you expecting to be served? Or are you expecting to serve? Have you realized that God has given you unique things, unique abilities to use for his purposes? See, as a church, we are the healthiest when we aren't expected to, expecting to be served, but we're expecting to serve. And that's when, as, Paul, as Peter puts it, in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ, and that's the purpose of the church, to him be the glory and the power forever and ever, amen. God, we we come today before you and we, one, we thank you for your word. Thank you that you saw fit to have Paul and Peter and others write down your, your actions and your commands. God, as we internalize them, as we process them today, help us to make sense of it. Help us to realize that in your grace, you've extended to us gifts and abilities that you so desperately want us to follow through on. God, help us to see that if one of us is not loving, if one of us is not serving, then it's detrimental to the body of Christ. God, speak these truths to us today. In Jesus' name, amen.